We are thrilled to have Premier Jason Kenney joining us in studio at this hour. Premier, good to see you again. Thanks for dropping by. Great to be back. You know I'm not a morning person, so to get me out to the studio at this hour is, uh, is something. <laughs> well, we appreciate we. it. We're just <laughs> <making a> joining <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being in here. Of course, uh, a lot to chat about now. Yeah. We can't ignore the release of the budget last week with some significant cuts to areas like healthcare, education. I mean, there have been rallies and protests. How are you addressing the unrest that's visible right now in Alberta? Well, first of all, I would say government unions protesting a, a budget of fiscal restraint is not unrest. It's just completely predictable. It's what they do. Um, secondly, there actually are no cuts to health and education. You can look at the budget yourself. Uh, la- last, uh, last year of the NDP government, the budget for education, for example, for K-12 instructional education was $8.222 billion. That's what it is. This year, it's $8.322 billion. As I said, we've actually added $100 million for transition, and, 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 and that, that budget continues at about $8.3 billion all through the next couple but of years. But to be years. fair, that doesn't keep pace with enrollment growth. So if you want to call it a cut, we're, we're splitting hairs what we're calling it. Okay, You're doing more you, with less, you want right? Cut, it's, just, it's not a cut. A cut is a reduction. This is not. It's, it's We're maintaining health fu- education funding, which is what we promised to do. Right. And on edu- health funding, we're also maintaining that at in both cases at record high levels. In the case of, of health care, it's uh, over 20 $20 billion a year that we're maintaining, including for physician compensation. They're continuing to get $5.4 billion a year, the highest in Canada. But if you want to now talk about things like real per capita spending, right, yeah. okay, fine. Yes, it's true that there will be a, a gradual reduction in in, uh, in real per capita funding in these areas. But, but it's also true that we have by far the highest per capita expenditures on health and education. And government in general, in Canada, we spend about 20% more than other provinces. All we're doing, and this is what we were elected to do is to challenge our, our the great people in our public services to learn to operate at least as efficiently as British Columbia or Ontario, Saskatchewan or Quebec. I think we can do that in Alberta. Yeah, it's like you say, I mean, you were elected on this campaign. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. We and promise to maintain or, or increase health and education funding. That's what we're doing. The overall reduction in spending is 2.8% over uh, four years. It's about $1.2 billion on a $50 billion budget over four years. Just to put this in perspective, the Klein government 25 years ago cut 22% of spending in two years. The Martin Kretchen government in the mid-90s cut like 10%, not per capita, 10% absolute spending cuts. Uh, and they, those governments were re-elected. The Romano NDP next to us, there, there's an NDP that actually believed in fiscal responsibility. Uh, they cut, they, they, they closed 56 rural hospitals because of a fiscal disaster. We're closing none. In fact, today I'll be making an announcement about spending more on hospital infrastructure. Uh, when we talk about the things you campaigned on. The other thing you campaigned on was jobs, bringing jobs yeah. back to Alberta. We haven't seen that. It, it's been almost a year now, and the unemployment continues to slowly tick up. How frustrated are you with that, and what are you doing to try and reverse that trend? Couldn't be more frustrated. On Monday, we released our Blueprint for Jobs, a, a comprehensive plan for job creation, uh, launching, for example, a $100 million loan to the Orphan Well Association to get blue-collar folks in the oil field service back to work, uh, helping to address uh, an environmental liability. Uh, we'll, our, our, we're, uh, tomorrow, or Friday, rather, we'll be announcing the details of our uh, $6.9 billion capital plan, investing in infrastructure um, uh, to help get people back to work. The job creation tax cut is projected to, by private sector economists, to create 55,000 full-time private sector jobs. Once fully implemented, we're only uh, nine months of the way into that uh, program. Um, 
look, it is frustrating. The reality is that uh, we, and now we've got this coronavirus situation that is yeah. affecting the global economy that does concern me. And, and that underscores why we've got to control what we can mm. to get our economy on track here. Well, when we're talking about things that we can control, and it's, it's a bit worrisome to see big companies like tech not able to come and invest here. What are we doing to try and attract more investors to, to Alberta? Well, that's my obsession is is getting investment back. Because, you know, we've seen the flight of tens of billions of dollars of investment from Alberta in the past five years. And, and that's what's resulted in, in people losing their jobs or not able to find work. And so we'll be at in the budget. And we announced we're going to be creating a new investment promotion agency, expanding Alberta's network of, of representatives around the world, focusing more on encouraging inbound investment and not just outbound uh, trade. They'll be doing both, but uh, I've spent a lot of my time on the road um, uh, working on on attracting investors, and we're going to see some, some important announcements this year, but I, I won't I won't deny it's very frustrating. It feels like when we take two steps forward, often the federal government, in the case of tech, for example, pulls us back by a step or two. Um, you know, I can tell you, for example, um, we we had helped to set up a $5 billion equity investment in a major project that was cancelled. Um, the, the, the investor, the U.S. investor pulled back last week because of the protests on the rail lines. They say that represents uncertainty. You can't get things done. We're not going to risk our capital. So that that is definitely frustrating. And these, this is one of the reasons why, by the way, that we are challenging the federal, the new Federal Environmental Impact Assessment Act, the No More Pipelines Law, Bill C-69 in court. We won at the appeal court but on our fight to uh, against the federal carbon tax. Here's the point. Um, Suncor announced yesterday they want to spend billions of dollars on a replacement uh, oil sands mine that would create thousands of good-paying jobs for folks in northern Alberta, but they have, they're going to, have to they're scheduling six years for federal approval under under this new bill C69. So w- that's why we're we're fighting against those federal policies, and that's part of our fair deal initiative. Fighting against the federal policy, and I understand that the logic behind it, but one of the things that Tech said is Canada's got to get together, get on board, and come up with a framework so we know what we're doing and we can invest and have confidence in that. Is there not some role for Alberta to play in that? Rather than court challenges and legal battles and all these sorts of things, is there not sit down, let's get some framework here together, work cooperatively? Well, absolutely. And i got to tell you, we've been trying to do that since day one uh, with uh, Mr. Trudeau's government. I, I spoke to Justin Trudeau the day, uh, the morning after our election in April and said, look, we're prepared to talk about the 100 megaton cap of on, on emissions from the oil sands that the previous NDP government had proposed but not brought into regulation. We're prepared to talk about uh, the uh, levy on major industrial uh, gas emissions that we have since brought in and, and got an equivalency agreement with the federal government. We finally got them to sit down, the feds, and talk to us about uh, coordinating our methane regulations because we think our made in Alberta approach reduces emissions faster than theirs at lower cost to industry and the economy. So we've been trying to, but they haven't come back to us with any detail. They, they, they created a new policy in uh, in the, the election going from Paris to uh, to uh, uh, net zero carbon emissions we said we're prepared to talk to you about that but they have not given us any response in the meantime we're not going to stop fighting for our right to develop our resources which is 
under the Constitution, exclusively our authority. That's a key right that Peter Lougheed won back in, in the early 80s, and that's why we're going to, to court against the federal Bill C-69. And I take your point, but what do you say to the people that criticize your government, saying that your only concern is oil and gas investment? Well, that it's clearly it's not, uh, and, and in fact, we've seen a lot of great new investment over the past nine months. Uh, TELUS has announced $16 billion of planned investment in Alberta, including expanding their uh, broadband and 5G networks, all sorts of high-tech applications. We've we're, uh, we've seen huge investments in agri-food and food processing. We, we've seen over $2 billion of announcements in new power generation. A lot of it's so wind and solar, the largest solar project in Canada, the second largest, I believe, in the world, half a billion dollars. Since we eliminated the carbon tax, removed the subsidies, but created certainty uh, with, a, with a market-based policy for power production, we've seen, um, we're in talks with companies about making Alberta the first place in the world to develop biosimilar drugs. Um, and, and you're going to see a number of investments that, that will further diversify the Alberta economy. But we, we can't diversify the economy if we uh, uh, turn off by far the largest job-creating industry in the province. The two have to go together. And uh, a couple few weeks ago, there was much made about your change in language surrounding this, which which I heartily applaud. I think it should be on Alberta signs. Yes, we're in the middle of a transition, but until we get to the end of that, Alberta is your best option. Was that a calculated when you made that speech in the United States to say we understand that we're moving? Like, I mean, it was everybody made this big to do about how you. Yeah, it was I the first time you said that. I, but it's not, and and it's it's pretty consistent with what I've been saying for well, I don't know, at least a year or two, and and uh, I guess. Sometimes people just suddenly take notice. Um, look, here's the deal. Uh, according to the International Energy Agency, the world will be consuming more oil and gas uh, 20 years from now than we do today. But even they have an alternative scenario, which is fully compliant with the Paris Climate Treaty, where uh, there's a in their most um, bearish scenario for energy consumption. You see oil consumption go down 30% from 100 million barrels a day to about 70 million barrels a yeah, day by 2040 or something. So here's the yeah, exactly. So here's the point. In that world, 20 years from now, the question is, who's going to be providing that right. energy? Are we going to abandon the global market to the world's worst regimes, to the OPEC dictatorships or Putin's Russia? Or are is Canada with the highest human rights and environmental and labor standards on earth? going to be a major part of that. And I, the t- with the huge investments in technology, the shrinking carbon intensity of the energy that we generate, our transparency, you don't, they don't, they don't report honestly in OPEC or, or Russia like we do. Um, the indigenous inclusion, we have the highest rate of indigenous employment in Canada in large part because of the energy industry. Like this is the, is the, the most desirable source for that kind of energy as long as there's a global demand for it, and there will be for decades to come. And, and, and we brought in the TIER Fund, the Technology Innovation and Emissions Reduction Program, with a levy to support technology. That's where the solution will be found. It, there's no, you know, I know that some of the hardcore environmentalists think you can just flick a switch and, and, and turn off the entire modern industrial economy, plastics, airplanes, travel, uh, trucks, everything. everything. It's not reality. Like they haven't, we don't have lithium crystals like they did in Star Trek. Yeah, so, no. yes, we, there will be here in Alberta, including more investment in in, in uh, renewable energy sources, more technology. We are, we should be the global leaders in environmentally responsible uh, energy development. One last question before we let you get out of here, and I want to talk to you about it. it's the war room. 
Uh, I've known Tom Olson for a long time. In hindsight, was this a mistake? I mean, every every spent dollar that you spend gets compared to the $30 million budget that goes to the war room. Mm-hmm. It's been gaff after gaff after gaff. Do you have regrets around the war room? Uh, no, absolutely not. Look, this is only, they're only, we set it up, I think, less than three months ago. They're just, they're getting fully staffed up and, st- and set up. And you're going to see them running major, I think, very persuasive advertising campaigns, for example, to promote uh, the Trans Mountain expansion with British Columbians, to promote the, the potential of liquefied natural gas, to increase energy literacy all across Canada, to uh, advertise in a targeted way towards financial markets in Europe that are under pressure um, uh, against the the oil sands, for example, Uh, all the kind of advocacy that we've always intended and that the Alberta government has done intermittently in the past. Um, So, uh, you know, I don't get upset if... uh, I I, I don't think a... Talk to me a year from now about the efficacy of the Canadian Energy Centre. At this point, I'm not going to downgrade their their, uh, record based on a, a, a misguided tweet. Okay. Okay. Well, that time goes fast. Thanks so much <laughs> Sorry, for being I, here. Sorry, I try to talk fast, too. <laughs> we appreciate your time. Thanks, thanks, thanks so much. Thanks for having me in here. I appreciate it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the ring.